0: You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, welcome back from Thanksgiving. I'm glad that at least 12 of you came back. (laughs) So we are actually going to have school this last week. It's December 2nd, it's the first Monday, To legitimately start celebrating Christmas and I know there's lots of opinions on that does Christmas start before Thanksgiving or does Christmas celebration start after Thanksgiving so wherever your closest chapel buddy is to you take 15 seconds and share your opinion with each other go Okay, I'm glad that we all have an opinion on this, and the correct answer is Christmas celebration starts, one, two, three, after Thanksgiving. Oh, July is when it starts. If it makes you happier celebrating before Thanksgiving, why not just back it up to July, Caleb? Yes. So, uh, Johnson Christmas party this Wednesday, great fun times with Asbury traditions, Wilmore Old Fashioned Christmas. This is a great week for the 12 of you that came back to school. And so uh, Asbury does great traditions around all holidays, and I am still recovering from a Halloween tradition at Asbury. Glyde Crawford has this competition, and there's this Is it up there? And so this jack-o-lantern showed up at my house a couple days after Halloween. And Emily Krause, you are a stellar artist. Congratulations to your floor for winning the competition. You started with very little raw material and you made something very scary. So I'm recovering from that. (laughs) Love that creativity. Have you ever been asked the question, who do you belong to? This can be a very personal question and it can be a profoundly intimate question. When I was 20, I was on a beach in Mazatlan, Mexico. I was with a college friend on spring break and I was far from God at that stage of college. The fact that on that beach I was as physically far from home as I would ever been was profoundly symbolic of where I stood in my relationship with God and in my relationship with the church. These two college guys walked up to us on this beach in Mazatlan. I hardly remember my friend even being part of the conversation, but I distinctly remember that moment because of what all it stirred in me. And you can imagine these two guys simply ask, do you believe in Jesus Christ? And I immediately had an answer. I had an answer so quick that I had to come off as defensive. My answer was, I've gone to church my whole life. They asked me a faith question and I answered with a belonging question. I stood on that beach and I, I knew that I believed in Jesus, but I did not know what it meant to belong to him. And even worse, I spoke about the church as if that represented how I was living my life. And as if my going to church actually portrayed who I belonged to. And in that moment on the beach, I was as far from home as I'd ever been. Who do you belong to? This morning, as we finish the book of Acts, next semester, we're gonna have a more abbreviated encounter series and we're gonna address how the Holy Spirit works in our lives across those five series. But this morning, we're looking back to what we opened with in August, the Holy Spirit coming to empower his followers to be his witnesses. Across the early decades of the church, the Holy Spirit is building a different kind of community. One where even conflict can become redemptive. The book of Acts has declared to us that the good news is for everyone. It's for the Ethiopian eunuch. It's for Saul who was persecuting new believers. And this good news is even for the Gentile world. Across Acts, the Holy Spirit is empowering the followers of Jesus with boldness, with costly courage to live as an unstoppable force. The book of Acts is one story after another of believing and being baptized of believing and being filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's one story after another of the followers of Jesus having their eyes opened to see where God was at work. Acts is the church on mission. Who do you belong to? In the final chapter of Acts, the book ends with Paul doing everything that the Holy Spirit had called him to do. He's doing what he's done for the last 16 chapters. He's preaching. In the passage that Betsy read to us this this morning, Paul meets with these Jewish leaders in Rome. He's arrived at the center of the empire, which signifies that that Paul has taken his witness of Jesus' resurrection to the ends of the earth. The leaders, they're there curious to hear his views. And they, and they say in this tone, because people everywhere are talking against this sect to which you belong. And so Paul preached from morning until night about the kingdom of God. And since he's talking to these Jewish leaders, he he uses the law and the prophets, and he tries to persuade them about Jesus being the Son of God. Some were convinced, and some were not. Even when the apostle Paul was preaching, some did not believe. And for those Jews who didn't believe, before they walked away, Paul leaned on those words that the prophet Isaiah said and how he was describing the Jews and what they were missing out on, that you will be ever hearing but never understanding, ever seeing but never perceiving, this people's heart has become calloused. And Paul's last words bring to completion a major shift that takes place here in the book of Acts. That God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles. Jesus came as a fulfillment of salvation that God had been making a people for himself in the the Israelite people. And here... We watch as the gospel in Christ has come first to the Jews, and now through Paul, this declaration has been made that it has gone to all the world. And despite all kinds of persecution, trials before Roman officials and Jewish leaders, imprisonment, and shipwrecks, Paul was a witness. To the Gentiles, to people who had not been given access, he comes declaring that God made Christ who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God so that we may become holy unto the Lord. In the last two sentences of Acts, they close with Paul's life, totally surrendered to the mission of God. For two years, Paul welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with boldness and without hindrance. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with boldness and without hindrance. In other translations, the word is simply unhindered. The Greek word is akalitos. And in Greek and Jewish circles of Paul's day, this word describes divine sovereignty that God is on the move, and there is divine sovereignty to this movement. Who could hinder what God was doing? Akalitos, this unhindered theme, is across the book of Acts. Like in chapter 10, when Peter and other uncircumcised believers saw Gentiles believe in Christ, And be filled with the Spirit. At that moment Peter said. Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. Surely no one can stand in the way. Because the work of God and the move of God is unhindered. There is divine sovereignty unfolding. This is a book of Acts question, who might hinder another person from responding to what God is doing, to the love of God moving across the earth? The opposition could not stop Paul and it could not stop the gospel. Not even the center of the empire, not even Rome could stop how the Lord was moving and the gospel was going out. The good news of Jesus is an unstoppable force. Some of you can hear that in the words of Pastor Damian Boyd who stood right here and preached as we started school a year ago. The good news of Jesus is an unstoppable force. To whom do you belong? And to what do you belong? What does the unstoppable force look like at Asbury? Some of you this very semester have given your life to Jesus and been baptized. Some of you this very semester have made this return in your relationship with Christ and have rekindled what had set dormant. Many of you have been in a banded discipleship group, praying for each other, confessing sin, sharing where the Spirit of God is at work in your life. And when that's happening, there is an unstoppable force on the move. Some of you have been in sexual wholeness groups across this semester. Pressing in to freedom. Some of you have been courageous to tackle anxiety, to seek after healing in your life. And many of you have been attentive to what God is doing in your own story and to what God is doing in our story as a community, as a campus. When Acts closes, the Apostle Paul is boldly proclaiming the kingdom. And he is unhindered in his teaching others about Jesus, an unstoppable force for good. Paul, is not the unstoppable force. It's the kingdom of God to which Paul has surrendered his life. As Acts 29, let me back up two seconds before I get too far ahead. As Acts 28 ends the book, there is an Acts 29 challenge to us. Paul took the good news of Jesus Christ to Rome and he's he's waiting for the next generation to pick it up from there. Will you be a part of Acts 29? A bold, unstoppable force going forward with the kingdom. The church was born in the book of Acts and we are content We are the continuation of the mission. Who do you belong to? There's no true belonging to Jesus without belonging to the body. The church, our Greek word is ekklesia. And ekklesia is the called out ones, the ones that have been set apart. We are the Ecclesia. We belong first and foremost because we have responded to Jesus who is the head of the body. If you've been a part of watching the Alpha film series this semester, Nikki Gumbel described the relationship between the believer and the church. It's a pretty simple role that the individual makes the choice to repent and to believe. And when the individual makes that choice, it's the church's role to baptize. Repent and believe and the church says come and belong. You're a part of the body. I know that you know this, but we can't baptize ourselves. Right? We are invited to belong. Before Thanksgiving, I hope you saw The Investigator. Thanks Frankie Taylor and Cast for a great show. And these were the words in the middle of that show. We don't live alone. We are members of one body. We belong to one another. Second, we belong not because we've earned it. Jesus loved us first. This is exactly how God loved the Israelites and it's how he spoke into their identity of belonging. This is Isaiah 43. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. To whom do you belong? We belong to the body we have been grafted in. First Corinthians 12, for in the one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. There's no true belonging to Jesus without belonging to his body. Dr. Brian Hall taught from Acts early on in our encounter series. and He described four things that the church did. They devoted themselves to being more like Jesus. They listened to and they cared for each other. They saw a need And they did something to meet that need. And they committed to being with each other with Jesus. They committed to Jesus' community. And where the church lives out these core values, the world will see Christ, Jesus, will be visible. To whom do you belong? N.T. Wright says the purpose of the church is worship and mission. When we discover the love of God that has been revealed to us, through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, our response is to fall down. Our response is to worship and to bow. And the next response is mission. To be sent into this force that was a part of we ourselves receiving the love of God. When we belong to Christ, we belong to his church, we live for worship and we live for mission. Every Encounter Chapel, you sung the liturgy that we've sung this morning, Spirit of God, Breathe on your church. And when this happens, we become a worshiping people and we become a sent people on mission. To whom do you belong? This is a bigger question for some of us for other reasons. Because some of you have a tainted reputation around the word church. Because of some encounters with people in your own life who represented the church. And I'm sorry that you've received wounds from a very human institution called the church. For some of you, these wounds involve hurt, maybe being judged, being in a manipulative relationship, or even something that's felt more like religious abuse. What you experienced is not what God intended. For others of you, the perception that you have of church may be tainted by family members who served the cause of the church in a manner that overlooked your needs. Maybe skewed boundaries between church and the people that were closest to you left scars that you're still navigating. What you experienced is not what Jesus intended. And your pain is complex because it's happened somewhere under the umbrella of the church. And in your journey toward healing I pray that you can trust Jesus as the wounded healer. This very Jesus, who is the head of the church, deeply desires your healing. Jesus is interceding for the church to be made whole. The same words of commitment that the Father spoke in Isaiah 43, he speaks to you. He who created you, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name and you're mine. We are the body of Christ. This unstoppable, unstoppable force for good is the very organism that Jesus has entrusted to declare that He is our salvation, that God so loves the world that He gave his only Son. Deliverance and healing are at work in the church because we are His body and his advent. Begins, we celebrate the birth of a baby who initiated this unstoppable force. He lived so that the blind could see, deaf could hear, lame could walk, and dead could live again. Jesus, the risen King, lives that you and I could belong to an unstoppable force. Some of you have seen uh, this this new series, The Chosen. And in multiple episodes of The Chosen, it's in the first episode uh, that I'd like to close chapel this morning. And a woman called Lilith in this scene was possessed by demons. She was at the end of her rope. She was giving up that she could ever be free. Men had taken advantage of her. A religious leader had tried to drive the demons out without success. And while the townspeople called her Lilith, she actually had another name. And one fact for you to know as this scene begins is a man had just propositioned her and was asked to leave, so he departed the scene. While watching this scene, imagine what it means for us to be the body of Christ in the world today.